Good day. Welcome to Forbidden Ruth Bombs, a play on words for forbidden truths as we are often denied. And while the world is unraveling, we are here to help unpack, decolonize, unfuck, and nurture the way forward towards a more human, conscious existence. Today, on this first, very first episode of Forbidden Ruth Bombs, I have Gina Brogan. I'm going to let her introduce herself in, um, in every way and form that she likes, and uh, you're going to get an idea of the premise of this podcast with this episode. So here we go. Welcome, Gina Brogan. Hi, thank you for having me, Frankie. It's great to be here today. Yeah, so my name is Jana Brogan, as Frankie just mentioned, and I am a clinical herbalist in the Western tradition. I've recently graduated from an intense course of study and have softly launched my practice. I'm also a death doula, uh, although I'm not necessarily a practicing death doula at this moment. I'm more of an educator. I really... Um, the thought of death practice really resonates with me and I think it's a topic that we don't discuss enough in our culture and it's certainly an important one so I'm always trying to facilitate discussion and a deeper understanding of death and what that looks like in our lives. I'm also a trained artist. I'm a studio potter and a silversmith although I'm not currently working in these crafts. I'm primarily operating as a clinical herbalist and a Reiki practitioner. Awesome. So that was the if you knew me you would know part of Gina's story. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a Reiki session with Gina thanks to our mutual friend Orwin Um, and it was honestly like the best experience in the sense of what I was needing. I was very blocked in my throat chakra and which is connected to our sacral chakra which I don't know too much about but if you want to know more, please do contact Gina in this regard. But I was just like, I literally came out of that experience um, and I felt so unblocked of what I was dealing with for the past God knows number of years. And the visions that Gina saw um, tied into everything. It was literally my whole life story. And it was, it was an incredible experience. She has magical hands. Um, and, and on that note, um, I just want to go a little bit deeper as to how... Uh, Gina's personal life journey herself as she sees others, you know, going through these journeys through her visions. I wondered, you know, what has in your own personal journey shaped your life purpose as to like why you're doing this for others? Well, that's such an interesting question, Frankie. And I think for myself, I can say that there's always been this sort of thread that I have followed in my life in all of the many incarnations of myself that I've had in this lifetime. I've remade myself several times and I'll probably remake myself several times more before I'm done in this particular lifetime. And each time I find that I come closer to my authentic self and finding my purpose on this planet. So even as a very young child, I had a sense that there was magic in this world. I was really, really connected to the earth. I grew up in the country. I wandered. I climbed trees. I was a gypsy child. Um, I really lived in my bliss when I was in the country and in the fields and the forests and by the rivers. And I spent a lot of time with nature and I really didn't think of nature as a thing or something separate from who we were. Nature was my playmate and my my kingdom and um, very much a part of who I was. And I grew up with plants. I grew up 
playing with plants and making potions and lotions with them and uh, fabricating fairy wear out of all of the uh, sort of the foliage and all of the familiar plants that grow in our area and I was very fortunate in that I have a very brilliant mother who is an RN but was also still quite connected to the land and grew up on her grandparents farm in the Ottawa Valley and my mom always made sure I knew that there was medicinal value in plants other than the nutritional value. She no longer knew what the value was but she wanted me to know that there were plants that had special purpose and medicine and she always um, made sure I knew which ones they were. We didn't use any of the medicines, we didn't, um, my mom didn't use herbs per se, but she never hurt the plants and she made sure I was aware of them as special, you know, as being, you know, uh, necessary. And we always had an organic garden, a huge organic garden, and my, my mom always, you know, grew really great vegetables and was always working with the season. She was, we were picking berries when they were in season and apples when they were in season, and that really connected me to the rhythm of the year and the rhythm of the world and the rhythm of lifetimes, really. And so I very much see the world that way in in a circle and sort of going through the seasons of the year and the seasons of my life, you know, the cyclical uh, motion. Um, and then my older brother was diagnosed with uh, ADHD and hyperactivity and the doctors wanted to put him on Ritalin. And my mother said no, you know, absolutely not. And in a time when you had to actually go to a library to research, um, my mom spent a lot of time researching and she actually um, made appointments and spoke to psychiatrists and psychologists and read and just decided that the best way to treat my brother's ADHD and hyperactivity disorder was through diet. And she, we had always had a very healthy uh, diet in our home, but it became even more so and I was taught to read labels and on and to understand what was going into our food and my mom made everything you know she made our marshmallows like there was you know there wasn't a time that I can remember when I wasn't reading labels and when I wasn't aware of the impact that food had on our moods and our life you know and on our bodies and how we interacted with other people so I was really fortunate in that I grew up with that sort of knowledge and that understanding and it has really guided and shaped the path. It's, it's that thread that I follow through my life and so when I was growing up I was aware of food, I was aware of the importance of it and I was also aware of the earth and the importance of the earth and I've really brought both of those threads together in my life now. Those have been two passions in my lifetime and I'm finally in a in a time place where they are actually coming together and I realize that that which is good for our bodies is good for the earth and that which is bad for the earth is also bad for us and bad for our bodies and bad for our spirit and we are so you know we are linked you know and and, and if we don't start treating our own bodies well, 
the earth is never going to heal. And, and it's the same in reverse. As long as we are uh, poisoning this mother earth, we will never um, heal our own bodies. So I've reached a place and I'm um, fortunate enough to be educated well enough and well versed enough in these areas that I can start to speak to this and really facilitate and empower people to make choices for themselves that will also help the earth. That's pretty much my passion right now. Oh, so much resonated. Thank you so much, Gina. Um, I feel like, you know, that there's, there's a saying too that says like, you know, you have to like spend almost 25 years at something before you can start speaking. And that's why I like, you know, I feel even myself, I, you know, you always feel like you don't have enough or you haven't learned enough because before really starting to talk about this, but now I'm at a point where the world does need all this, people like yourselves and, and, and light workers and healers, especially healers. And you're such a healer with your hands, with your knowledge with your energy, with your voice, um, like everything about you, is, it's about healing. And you bring that into a room, and I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. Um, I just think that's, that's just who you are, like you're like the wind, you just kind of glide through. And, the, and so the other thing that struck me is, is your thread. Our friend Meyer, who is, uh, works with the in indigenous, and I just want to say you know, a, a, a bit of a land acknowledgement here and say thank you to our ancestors for providing us this amazing space to be able to do this and continue on the teachings and uh, the lessons that we are learning, especially in this day and age. And our Meyer shared a story about a feather and how the feather, uh, the main backbone in the middle is like your lifeline. And that would be your, your thread. So I would say you're like a nutritional feather who's like constantly returning to that main backbone. But then you have all those micro threads along your journey that you kind of went off on and, and learned about, you know, mm -hmm. and then go back always to that main thread. So you who knows where you're at on that journey, right? You could be halfway through, you could be at the, you know, third quarter top, who knows, right? Know. So I think that's really neat because when you think of a nice, beautiful, like eagle feather, for example, it's a very big feather and it means there's a lot more, like you said, to learn and to share mm. and to grow into um, mid-life, mid right? Yeah, so because like you're so young, so you're like, you're gonna have so much to give even to your, your own children, which I've noticed a lot about too. The other thing that resonated with me is that I am ADHD and also my mother didn't have the education or the resources or the help in the 80s. And I was just that, you know, the fourth born that kind of came out uh, wild. And uh, it, it just, um, it, it was something that, you know, when it came to nutrition, we didn't have access to a lot of, like we did, we grew up at like my grandparents, like we had great family dinners. But during the week we lived in North Bay and my mom was a single mom of four girls. So sometimes we did have to eat at the food bank, for example. And our, our, our upbringing from like growing up on the land and hunter-gatherer went to a more of a uh, societal underprivileged uh, diet, so to speak, because of cost and lack of resources and lack of support. And so I, my, you saw it in me, I think the most, <laughs> not that we ever tied that in at the time, but the things that we started eating once we got onto that system um, really affected me and my energy. And I was climbing off the walls and I couldn't have chocolate, I couldn't have, uh, you know, grape juice, for example, but you know, of course it ties into the food dyes, right? But mm -hmm. like, you know, and then you start to read the ingredients, but we never did that, right? So it took me my whole pretty much life to learn about how nutrition affects my body, um, which is like, again, such a gift for you to be able to pass that on mm -hmm. and learn about that at a young age and be a witness to. Um, and so for me, uh, what I learned that helped me was, was movement. So it was exercise that helped my ADHD stay somewhat in check. So as long as I was always playing sports, I was okay. 
but I did get squirrely when I was not, or my diet was low, or, you know, if I had too much sports and not enough food in my system, then I would pass out, for example, and, like, it'd be, like, from one extreme to the other. Like, they say ADHD is like a Ferrari with no brakes, right? So it's, and I literally, in grade three, ran into the wall at high speeds because I discovered that dopamine hit when exercising. That was when I fell in love with exercising, and I traumatized my whole class. I broke my arm. I got a fat lip forever from it. And because I just, it, it hit me, like the dopamine just went up and then I was in high, like I think I, I've like taken years to d dissect this and then I just went full speed into the wall and mm. like I knocked myself out. <laughs> but like imagine being my mom. <laughs> That's how I see it, wow. right? She's like, she got called all the time because of my accidents. Like I like pretty much lived in a merge and I had, you know, I was just out of control, right? So to have this education now, um, and I've just been like diagnosed at 42 years old with ADHD for the first time. And it's like, what do you do with that, right? So like all the things I've kind of worked and tested and trialed out um, have, has brought me to now. But like imagine again, if people mm -hmm. had the knowledge that, yeah. that at a young age that didn't involve medication or stuff like Zivalin that can actually harm you. Yeah. Um, and you know, so yeah, so those things resonated with me. So I wanted to just share that because it's like, I, again, I think just talking about ADHD out loud is gonna help people, you know, and if they know that they can have natural resources to do so and like just kind of continue living with this neurodiverse brain versus a neurotypical brain, which is really the difference between a non-ADHD person and an ADHD person. Which also correlates to a diverse microbiome versus a non-diverse microbiome, which again links back to, you know, the earth, the correlation. We share, we have a collective microbiome. You know, we are made up of bacteria that we have co-evolved with from time immemorial you know and they are essential for our optimum performance and well-being and unfortunately in the world where we live there are so many toxins in our food in our water in our soil you know you walk into a, a big chain store and you can smell it, the off-gassing, all of these chemicals, all of these pesticides, and we are um, destroying the bacteria in our gut. And there's something, the brain-gut axis is real. There's something called the vagus nerve, which is the 12th cranial nerve, which runs, it's the vagus means wandering, so it, it visits several different important systems in your body. Um, but it also is a bi-directional highway and it carries information from our gut, our microbiome of our gut, all of the beautiful bacteria, good, bad, and otherwise, living in our gut to our brain and gives our brain essential information so it can start sending out appropriate commands. Um, an example of how our microbiome has been altered is through the use of a glyphosate, which is Roundup. And Roundup is water soluble. And if you just sit with that thought for a moment, right? It is an herbicide. It is legal to use it in Canada. We, um, if you're not buying organic wheat or oats from Canada, you're buying food that has been treated with Roundup, which is the World Health Organization has finally acknowledged that it's a very likely carcinogen. Um, but it, it does so many things. And one of the things that glyphosate does is it acts as an antibiotic. So we are spraying Crazy. our food and our soil with antibiotics. Antibiotics kill bacteria. We need bacteria in our soil 
to properly um, to help plants grow and properly develop in and um, in a nutritional way right so that it's full of nutrients and then we eat the food that's now you know depleted and not full of nutrition and we swallow it and the antibiotics go into us and kill our microbiome which is essential for for brain health for for anxiety for like there there's such a uh, correlation you know and there's a, an increase in a neurodegenerative diseases of Parkinson's Alzheimer's to name a couple ADHD Lou Gehrig's disease you know hyperactivity um, even autism you know there's such an increase and so much of it not all of it obviously but so much of it can be linked to our lifestyle and the toxins that we are living with every single day you know and that's just again as I mentioned a correlation we're killing the earth with these toxins and we're also killing our, our own microbiome and we have several microbiomes in our body and each microbiome like there's one for our lungs one for our skin one from our mouth one from our um, from our gut um, two of the most important ones are the the oral microbiome and the gut microbiome and they interact you know so a healthy uh, mouth microbiome and a healthy gut go together so there's because we share bacteria back and forth but yeah it's just pretty fascinating so um, as we start to heal our gut you know anxiety decreases depression decreases you know we yeah energy goes up and we find all kinds of benefits and there have been some studies where children with autism have been given you know significant doses of, of appropriate uh, probiotics because not all of them are appropriate um, and they have made significant improvements like it's amazing it's amazing we really um, need to look at how we can foster a healthier um, microbiome or microbiomes within our body and it's not as simple as taking a probiotic you know there are so many things that damage and uh, kill off certain bacteria so then not only do we not have a diverse microbiome but then uh, bacteria that are normally um, beneficial or or at least not dangerous to us or detrimental in a, at a certain level get out of control because there's no longer any checks and balances and so then they start having you know an impact on our system it's pretty fascinating but it's also you know it's the most difficult thing in the world to to figure out but it's also the simplest you know if we just go back to what is what is good for us what is good for the earth what you know chemicals are never the answer you know when it comes to health and wellness symptom management is not the answer we need to look at root cause of disorder and root cause of dysfunction and just say okay in this moment I am making this choice because it's the right choice to make for my health and the health of the earth and future generations who will come after me amazing oh gosh yeah like it's it's <laughs> like you said it's like it seems so complex but it is so simple and that's why I do give a lot of props to the fact that I come from a farmer family because I did have that that exposure and I, and I credit a lot of my life to my exposure to my grandparents because I did feel good when I was experiencing that lifestyle and we, we mm -hmm. all took turns to help with berry picking and the gardening and you know like my grandfather had no grandsons so he had 
a lot of granddaughters. <laughs> there was no males born in our family for 42 years. Oh my so we all got put to work. And I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky because not everybody has that based on gender divide, especially with the older uh, belief systems. Like you say, like, you know, like there's so much to, to unpack, um, not just like in the gender divide, but, you know, everybody needs this knowledge. And like, we all need to learn how to take care of ourselves and be self-sufficient and like it's you know I think that's what needs to come back and, and, and reconnect with that earth like you say like if we're all just like walking mirrored images and reflections of what's in front of us um, it just makes so much sense what you're saying you know like if we just take care of our environments it'll take care of us yeah and we are interdependent upon nature we right? are and if we just look like the Buddhists are so smart they right. say you know we can't change the world we can only change ourselves and uh, you know um, I'm reminded of that constantly by a good friend of ours who's fairly Buddhist in nature. But if, if all of us just look to our own bodies, if I just look at my own body and say, okay, what do I need to ensure that my body is healthy? I need clean water, you know, I need uh, organic food. I don't need genetically modified ingredients or organisms in my body. You know, I'm going to make these choices. I'm going to be, um, you know, mindful in what I'm exposing myself to. I'm going to cut out the xenoestrogens or try to anyways and phthalates and um, all of the toxins. And if I just make my choices that way and spend my money supporting the things I believe in, which is organic, non-GMO, you know, um, not processed, uh, you know, locally grown, seasonally grown, if I say these are important to me, this is how I'm spending my dollar, then eventually my dollar is going to be facilitating the change. And if six people say, okay, we are going to just, we're not worried about, we can't change what's going on in the world, but we can change what's going on within our own selves, our own body, mind, and spirit, and start making those choices and standing for them and saying, okay, this is non-negotiable to me. I drink out of glass. I'm the queen of mason jars. That's all we use in our house. I pack my kids' lunches in mason jars in their bag. And that was my line in the sand. That's it. I'm only buying glass now, no more plastic. And so my money goes there and my money goes there. And then maybe your money's going to go to mason jars and maybe Arwen's and maybe the people down the road. And before you know it, the plastic people are saying, there's no more money in plastic. We're going to start making glass because we have the facilities and we need to stay in business. So how do we have to shift? But if we, you know, try and take too many big steps or, or worry about too many big things, it's really overwhelming and we won't be able to facilitate change. So like shop locally, support support your local vendors and your local businesses, you know, support organic, support your farmers. Like those are how I am facilitating change in the world. You know, buy secondhand clothing, you know, all of, you know, I drive a secondhand car, I eat off secondhand dishes because that, those are my lines that I, I, you know, defend because they are what I can do to change the world, to change my health. You know, we don't need, if, if nobody, I was a potter. I love pottery. I love potters. I haven't made anything from in clay for several years because guess what? If I never make another thing in clay, there will still be too many clay things in this earth. And, and clay is not the greatest example, but it, you know, but we, we don't need to be producing more and buying more and consuming more. There are enough dishes in all the value villages in the world 
that we could all be eaten off them for the rest of our lives and nobody would ever have to make another dish again you know yeah yeah for sure and i just yeah that ties in again to so much so much so much like from the hospitality industry that we've both worked in and you know and, and there is some local restaurants i know that that chef bryce uh, with his new uh culture at Churchill's he goes and gets all his dishes at Valley Village because he likes to make them all look different mm -hmm. and they're all so nice and pretty mm -hmm. and like yeah they're like renaissance you know and I, I, I know right and like not to match I, w yeah. I was once in a house in the, in the Caribbean and it was built on feng shui and you could feel it when you walked in and every single piece was different in that in that cupboard and she made them all she was a potter yeah. and it was just every single dish from like everything it was like you picked one up and it had a different color and a different look and it brought so much artistry to their kitchen like versus having like the same mm -hmm. same you know standard cookie cutter model that's again being mass produced in every store same with clothing you know where you just want to be in the trends so like you yeah. go and buy that next and it's the same thing in every store um, but then you do the math and you think yeah we're just one small community you know imagine multiplying that yeah, right think of the you know the think of the, of the water think of the, the transportation the packaging and think of the people who are actually making these items and how are they being treated and what chemicals are they being exposed to and what chemicals are their lands being exposed to you know I have I have <laughs> I, I hate to say how old some of my clothing is that I have you know? I'm with you. My, my favorite winter <laughs> hat is 18 years old Amazing. <laughs> and I'll probably never buy another one you know Anything, but, but we I don't we, we really need to shift our mentality and understand that you know we cannot we can no longer be a throwaway society it just does not make sense it's just not the right thing to do and it's just not sustainable like it's not you can't keep going like the amount of oil that gets used in these factories alone and like and and, and again we were talking about documentaries before i press record but we you know it, it's, it's so disturbing because there is a lot of information out there but we don't see a lot of the change happening right in terms of that you know the demand so when it comes to business you know just like that mindful spending that you're talking about that when you spend that one dollar it's going to go into a company it's going to go into a demand it's going to go into you know uh, another you know packaging trip that has to get sent from whatever you know just like if we buy produce and and, and food that is produced in third world it's great that we're you know thinking that we're helping that third world but what, what people don't know is that it is major corporations going into these third world countries and eroding their lands because they're mass producing so much and then they just move on to the next and they leave that land uh, like a completely like destroyed barren. yeah barren like yeah. exactly they can't even reuse that land so sometimes right as like, a herbalist part of my my core belief when i'm you know when i was dreaming my business is that I am going to support people who support regenerative practices and organic practices because those are really important to me. So I buy my herbs when I can, most of the time, if they have them, which they usually do, uh, from a really beautiful regenerative organic farm in Ontario. I'm going to give a little shout out to Rebel Roots Farm. Um, and I know when I buy something from them that not only, I mean, they are who they say they are, but they've also done all the research. So I don't have to do all of the research because this is their passion and this is their purpose. Um, and do I pay more for my herb? Sure I do. Do I have to charge more uh, for my clients for my herb? Absolutely I do, but it is sustainable. And it not only is it sustainable, it's regenerative. These people are leaving the earth in a better condition than they found it and everything that they practice leads to this 
you know. Um, if I'm ordering herbs that are coming from, you know, Asia or coming from, you know, South America or coming from another continent or another province, not another province because they're pretty good in Canada, but another continent, another country, um, you know, I don't know how, what their harvesting practices are. I don't know um, what the toll, what toll is being taken on the indigenous peoples of those lands. I use traditional medicine. I mean, herbology is traditional medicine. Uh, the knowledge comes from, you know, indigenous people all over the world. Uh, all of us in our lineage, you know, had an herbal lineage also. But if I'm buying herbs from South America and they're really trendy, these herbs, and I'm providing them to my clients and um, other people want them and people start really buying them, we don't, we have to stop and think how this is going to impact the people of South America who rely on those herbs as their medicine, right? Sometimes they can no longer get them, right? And then we have to look at what that looks like if, if we all just go out and wildcraft in the in in nature and just take all of the plants from from nature and take all of the plants you know that maybe the indigenous people in this area use for their medicine there's a huge list of endangered plants or endangered medicinal plants in even in ontario i won't use any that's also part of my business part of my uh, my statement and my core value is I won't use any of the plants that are on the endangered list or, or are warning that they're um, going to be endangered. Um, it's just not worth it. Well, that's a good example of like what we've probably witnessed in this past decade is chaga, mm -hmm. right? And like how like they were just getting pulled off trees when they're just ancient medicines. And I was like, oh my I don't gosh. use chaga in my practice. Oh, I don't either. I don't because it actually doesn't agree with my tummy. But I know how like the yeah. power for the antioxidant it is, and like that's something that made, really did hurt me because I go by now I see them on trees and I just yeah. like say hello. And, yeah. uh, and I that's just a beautiful like, you know, thing. Just I, I just give them some love. And another thing we can do is find out. <laughs> you know, which plants are indigenous to what areas. You always want to be careful about that. But you can just replant. Like if you're going into the woods, if I'm if I'm wildcrafting, I don't, you know, I would never wildcraft for my practice unless it's a plant like raspberry leaf or dandelion root or dandelion or plantain where I know that there is so much of it and that it is so deeply rooted in in this land that we're not going to run out of it i still harvest it mindfully but if i'm you know harvesting in the woods maybe a good practice is to find some organic seeds that are like you know non-gmo organic that represent some of our um, at-risk or endangered indigenous plants and scatter them in appropriate areas like you have to do your research and make sure but like it's a, a good idea wherever we can to to give back to leave to improve you know I don't want to leave this world you know the same for my children I would like to leave the world a better place and if, if we switch our focus to regenerative instead of even just sustainable what a difference that makes in mindset you know so in my practice I've moved from I don't use any packaging that is even recyclable. I only use reusable packaging. So, sorry, you're going to get your herbs and glass. It's just yeah. what I, it's just it's just yeah. what I can live with, 
you know, mm -hmm. I can close my eyes and go to sleep and know that I'm doing something that I'm okay with, you know. Um, that's how you preserve things. Like my grandparents always used their mason jars for yeah. their jams and pickles and beets, and we had a whole cellar. And that was the beauty, because we yeah. just got to eat such good, like, crunchy pickles that were grown right in the backyard. And, like, it's just amazing that you can do that, really. You know? And it's really interesting as a death doula, I'm always interested in legacy, and I'm always interested in lineage and how that all works out and how we're connected. Just like, you know, the, the circle of the seasons and the circle of the year, there's also the, the cyclical circle of our lineage. And particularly for me, it's always been mother to daughter to mother to daughter, right? I mean, that's always resonated with me. And so I just posted the other day, I have one of my, I have several of my great grandmother's mason jars that I use for my own, my, my own herbs or teas. And uh, they're the old ones with the glass lids. And there's something really magical about holding something that's been around that long and it's still functional right? Nobody got rid of them because they didn't get rid of things back then. Not in my family. They were far too Scottish for that nonsense, you know? <laughs> they barely used water. Right? Yeah. And so I hold it and I use it every day, just the way my great-grandmother used it every day. It was so functional and utilitarian, and yet this vessel, right, this vessel that holds all of these treasures and, and recipes and jams, and, and now I have it. And my kids can have it because guess what? Unless I break it, it's they, they're built to last. They last. And then think of all the you know, all the I I was I was so mad every year when it was time for my kids to go back to school because I wanted to send them, you know, reusable packaging. And I would buy plastic because that's what I could get. you know, Tupperware type things. And inevitably by the end of the year, I can't put two pieces together because lids are missing. And I would be so hurt knowing that I would have to go and buy more plastic, you know? And I just said, forget it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I've used beeswax wraps and they're great, but they wear out and I have to throw them out or compost them eventually. They don't last long in my, in my life with all of my children. Glass, I'm telling you, my mason jars, and nobody breaks them because they're, they're made to last, right? Yeah. So that's just an example. I love it. I sense legacy it. and yeah, how yeah. it just passes down from generation to generation. Yeah, and it just reminds me of my own kids too. And I would send Sunny, like luckily we did have glass containers by the time she, I think she was in grade one maybe when I started to, to really pack her lunch. And I would drop it off shortly before, like because I, I was able to with my schedule. And twice in our whole, I think six years of like primary school, she, she broke. Like she just right. dropped her lunch yeah. and it would break. And then she was embarrassed. And she'd be like, Mom, can I like not have... Mm -hmm glass and I'm like nope like you know what I mean and that was something yeah. I stood to that was one yeah. of my lines with my kids and I know that that will be always remembered for her and it will be remembered for the teachers that witnessed it that kind of got upset with it because it felt like it was gonna someone was gonna get hurt you know what I mean but I was like no her lunch is warm yeah. there is no BPA leaching That's into her right. food because it's hot food or cold food and like you know because if you heat plastic or if you freeze plastic that's when all the chemicals leach out so a lot of people freeze stuff in their freezers you know what I mean so again we have to keep demanding this and talking yeah. about it because we need companies and more producers out there creating ways that are more sustainable not only for well especially for the north because we have yeah. to prepare and we this way we can buy more from the farmers if we can preserve them like our grandparents and ancestors did yeah. in these mason jars and then we can have food for the winter and we won't be like as in demand of all that easy uh, whatever we call it convenience right yeah. Um, and then another thing that reminded me too is like, you know, the, you said about spreading seeds and I just, when you said that, you know how you get visions, I thought yeah. of you blowing on a dandelion yeah. 
and how all those little beautiful seeds go when we make a wish. And I just like that helps everything from the bees to the butterflies, mm -hmm. you know, to like that whole, again, circle of life that we get to witness all the time every summer. So I love flowers and, and I love being immersed in nature in every season because it's always changing and sh teaching us something. And the fall was all about shedding our skin and rejuvenating. In the winter, we go in mm -hmm. and we hibernate. You know what I mean? And we replenish. And the spring comes, and then we, you know, we pop out of our seeds and like, you know, start to bloom again, and then give back, and then we go right back into the earth, right? Well, and it's interesting when you talk about the, you know, how, like, we can learn so much from the natural world, and there is such intelligence, and we're just so silly because we measure as humans, we measure intelligence by, you know, comparing other species and creatures to our to ourselves, which just never works, right? There's so much intelligence that doesn't look like human intelligence, because I'm sometimes a little iffy on what our intelligence actually, is it there, is it not there? But even with plants, and I'm always drawn to plants because I'm an herbalist, right? And I'm an herbalist because I'm drawn to plants. Um, like they are our allies. They are, you know, our older brother, our older brothers and sisters. They've been here a lot longer than we have, and we have co-evolved with them, right? That's why herbal medicine works so well. One of the reasons. Um, but if we just stop and watch and look and listen once in a while, and or even just sit with a plant, like it is truly amazing. Um, the relationships you can develop with them and that that might sound a little crazy but it is so accurate you know and there's you know nature always has a remedy nature always has a remedy you know um, and often the remedies are are close to the problem you know there's jewelweed usually with poison ivy and you know my daughter was stung by um, a, wa a wasp this summer or a hornet and I was I wasn't there and I'm on the phone saying somebody get her plantain get her plantain because it'll pull the sting right out it's just amazing nobody did it and she was in so much pain and she was just for days um, my partner was stung by four of them at once on his neck they got under his oh, collar no. and I or one that stung him multiple times I don't know but there were multiple stings and right away I put plantain right away and he had no difficulty no pain within minutes the pain was gone you know and nature has just such intelligence and there's so much offered to us like if you look at you know the plants that people call weeds they are so medicinal they can they will save our lives they can you know feed us they can nourish us they can you know um, and they just grow they just grow. They don't ask for anything. They don't need any special care or any extra water. They are indigenous to this area. But then even with some of these invasive plants that are moving into our area, there is a, a theory and there is a school that believes that these plants move in when we need them. You know, and if you look at some of them that are moving into this area and how powerful the medicines are associated with these invasive plants is pretty remarkable. You know, lime is really, really on the rise, or at least we're far more aware of it than ever before. And it's a pretty traumatic, it's a pretty traumatic um, infection and it can really, like it's a lifelong, it can it's be a lifelong, life, it? it is. It can yeah. really, really, um, like the impact on not just the person with Lyme, but on their community, on their family, on the even on our healthcare systems, right? 
and pokeweed is moving no into the or no Japanese not I think it's Japanese um, not weed I, I need my book yeah. I, I know the Latin but is um, moving into this or moving in it's an, it's an invasive plant and it is like tremendously tremendously effective in treating Lyme awesome. like so Thank you. you know we sometimes have to step outside of our own um, concepts and, and, and switch our lens mm -hmm. and switch our paradigm mm -hmm. and, and, and see things a little differently. It's kind of like re relating to a pond that gets stagnant and yeah. like look at the growth that happens in a pond, right? right? Like all yeah. that decomposing. Or a forest fire and what yeah. happens after the forest fires. You know, mm -hmm. that's not to say I'm not advocating for people to bring in species from, no, from other places. No, no, no. But because you know, and if you look at your garden, if you have a garden or a lawn, look. Like pay attention in the spring, you might see that there are plants that you've never seen before, and then you pay attention, you know. And it's it's really interesting. So I had a lot of suddenly a lot of mullen growing in my yard, no you way. know, this spring. I've just and learned about mullen. Yeah, and mullen is fantastic, and it's awesome for respiratory. And you know, what season are we in, and what's everybody well, think dealing about with? Exactly, yeah, yeah. you know, That's and it's wild. just. And, and it's everywhere. Happening. So yeah. you pay attention really cool. to these things. So as an herbalist, I'm like, that's wow. interesting. I'm going to pay attention yeah. to this, and I'm going to make sure. And I also have a lot of, um, it's called um, Tuslego farfara, which is colt's foot, right? But I know the plants by Latin names. Yeah, so cool. And it's just growing all <laughs> over my yard. It's also a specific for respiratory. Really? Yeah, and upper respiratory and lungs. And yeah, so I, I just pay attention, wow. right? And go, okay, so, so I'm going to be prepared. Nice. You know, and yeah, um, because the problem with herbal medicine is you have to be prepared. It's, it's not adopt, something yeah. that you can do in the moment because there's preparation involved. So it's like it, it again relates to the cycle. to the cycle mm -hmm. and to the way we used to live, you know, where we would have to plan and we would have to um, map out our year and we would plant and we would harvest and then we would preserve. Um, plants don't work like pharmaceuticals do. You can't just go to a a store and pop it. Uh, pop it and expect that in three minutes you're going to feel better. Yeah. That's not but plants actually work within your system because remember we co-evolved with them. Our bodies know what to do with them and they know how to work with our body. So they actually change our changes on a cellular level. They they facilitate change on a cellular level, like within That's the amazing. cell. You know, but it takes time. It right? does. It takes it time and it takes commitment and it's it's um, a reminder that we are like that seed that we um, bring to to this day and age and the way we live our lives you know and expecting that everything is instant everything is instant but not everything is and health isn't instant you know you can't just take a pill and then you're healthy it does it that's not I know. yeah that's a, that's symptom management mm -hmm. it's not addressing root cause plants address root cause issues yeah. within the within the body and, and they help your body return to homeostasis. Which is like frequency right? levels almost, right? Yeah, like so we're always working towards just helping your body get to a place where it can start doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, if you're seeing me as an herbalist you know, with, for an issue and you're still seeing me for exactly the same issue a year from now, we haven't changed anything, I'm not doing my job. We're not doing this properly. But people take, for example, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying people shouldn't take medicines. I'm, people have to do, like every person has to do what's right for, for themselves, you know, and sometimes medication is necessary, but 
you know, as an example, I was talking to somebody about SSRI, so select ser selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors that are often used for depression and anxiety. Okay, so what they do is they inhibit the breakdown and reabsorption of serotonin in the brain. So they try and keep the serotonin floating around longer. The dependency. But most serotonin is created in the gut. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so maybe you need to take this medication for a while. Balance or whatever. But, I don't know. but why yeah. wouldn't we then say, okay, but why is your body not creating enough okay, serotonin? Yeah. So how are we going to help so that you're not having to recycle your serotonin for the rest of your life? How can we um, work with your body so your body starts creating what it should be creating on its own? Right? Mm -hmm. My my idea mm -hmm. as an herbalist is not that you're going to be taking this herb for the rest of your life. No. Take no. it until, until we can balance yeah. your system and then your body will do what it needs to mm -hmm. do. That just brought up a really good point too in, in terms of like, not, well I would say almost I guess the abuse of herbs and like just kind of um, if you're not educated like yourself, mm -hmm. right? I think that, you know, reading a magazine, like even for myself, so I like started learning organic when I was 19 and I just want to help people. So I'm like considering myself a wellness strategist because I've done a lot for myself and my goal is to like do what I'm doing right now is to promote and direct people to the right sources because I don't believe our medical system can handle the volume right now of people and their, and their ailments. And so for me, I'm like, yeah, well, I just want to help. Like I want to promote, I want to share. Mm -hmm. Um, but also from my own like experiences and how we can get lost in all this knowledge. Um, I've taken plant workshops where I went and spent the weekend in South River and I still have my notebook and, I, and she has a, over a hundred, Brenda, you probably know Brenda maybe? No. I think it's Clay, sorry. I'll have to look that up. But anyways, I had notes written down because she had over a hundred all labeled like for specifically for these courses so she can teach people about plant life medicine but also teach them that a raspberry leaf wet is toxic, toxic versus right. dry right. is non-toxic, you know, and things like that that can really harm somebody. Valerian root also is another one that, you know, I remember getting a, a whole tincture of it and like, whoa, if you take too much of that, that's not safe, especially with right. someone with already low blood yeah. pressure. And there's a paradoxical effect yeah. with well, yeah. valerian. It can be uh, really stimulating or it can be relaxing. So yeah, like there's know. a fine balance, yeah, right? And like knowing balance. that dosage, which is like yeah. where you come in, and like just you know you know like where people feel safe, but they're also again addressing the root cause. It was like personal training for me where I felt like people were just coming back with the same story all the time, and I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. Um, so I felt like you know I had to learn more, right? So I pulled out for a bit, yeah. but now I'm back in it, and all that knowledge is coming back to me on top of like the new knowledge, which is taking those baby steps and not expecting everybody to fit in the same box, you know, and like not, not everyone, not everything is going to work the same for everybody because we're all genetically no. built well, differently. And that right? is the beauty of plant medicine. It is tailored like, so I can see, you know, six women for PMS and I will formulate six different formulas, I bet. right? Or I could see four people for anxiety and each formula is going to be a little bit different. There are some herbs that are specific, you know, to certain um, body systems. They have an affinity, so you will find those. But then there are like every person is different, right? Yeah. You know, and so we start to to build, and it is tailored to the individual. This personalized medicine, which is pretty cool, you know, because um, we are each one of us different, and what works. With, and then you look at constitution too. So not only do we look at body systems and affinities and root cause, but we start to look at your constitution, you know, in which, you know, I'm not, I'm. I, 
I study, I touched on Ayurveda at school. You know, we learn all about it and we learn the basics. I don't practice Ayurvedic medicine per se, but I do incorporate certain principles from Ayurvedic medicine into my practice. And a big one is your constitution. And uh, I'm hoping to learn more about the actual um, correlation between the, um, you know, astrology and plants because each plant has, you know, is a corresponding planet and um, part of the the cycle. Uh, I'm not familiar with that yet, but um, but your constitution, your own personal constitution, you could be like dry, super dry. And if I'm giving you dry herbs, say you're a cold, dry person, say you're a vata as I am, as you are, mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm giving you cold, dry herbs, I'm not actually gonna be helping you. I'm gonna be exacerbating, even though in the textbook, these herbs are specific to these conditions. Well, but there's more to take into account. There is the person that has to come into play here and how the person is gonna interact with the herbs well. So that adds another layer, you know? And then there's also the energetics of the plant. When I, um, I had to study, we studied flower essences in school and I've only ever used uh, Bach, Bach flower remedies and like the rescue remedy, which is oh, great, nice. you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm thinking, I have to admit, I was thinking, well, this is interesting, it's really fun, but like, as if this is medicine, right? Like this is the energetics of the plant. So I, but I had to make, I had to go through the process because it was a whole semester, this course. And mm -hmm. so I had to go out and meditate with the plants at a certain time of the day and collect them in a specific way and let them sit in the sunshine. And there's a very, it's a very, very um, lengthy and detailed process to make flower essences. And then we had to take the flower essences. I had to formulate one for myself using the different uh, essences, and um, and take it and keep track of what was going on and what I was what I was finding. And I have to tell you, it was such an eye opener to me. And some of my my teachers at school had always cautioned against using flower essences with people who were in a fragile place. And I went, what? <laughs> what? That makes no sense to me. Until I started taking them myself, and realized how potent the energetic medicine can be. So day one, I took the medicine and I, and I was taking it for like, I had a creative block and I hadn't been creating and I wasn't feeling creative and I wanted to just start that flowing within me again. So day one, I took the essence and I thought I was feeling pretty good. I'm like, wow, I'm feeling pretty good. And day two, I took it and I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. I have ideas, I'm writing things down I'm, I'm still and of course I'm still taking my three times a day my essences on the third day I'm manic I'm like wow not knowing what to do there's so much to do so many things I want to do and I'm starting four different projects at once <laughs> and feeling like oh my god I never it's have every day <laughs> this is day four I felt like I was going to my skin was going to burst like there was a shift happening in me that was too big for my body to um understand or incorporate and it was the most uncomfortable feeling and I'm thinking is this the, what fl the flower essence I actually had to um, drop my dose oh. you know and I was only taking like four drops three oh, times a day mm -hmm. I had to drop my dose and you know just let it and and to find Adjust. balance yeah. and it was the the biggest eye-opener I ever had as far as energetics you know as far as you know what that means how does that work in our body and it's it's truly a phenomenal and magical medicine but very very potent and it is medicine 
so again it's not something that we should just be um, dabbling in or you know taking willy-nilly you should take it with you know respect and with caution and with guidance you know and yes definitely with guidance yeah it's pretty phenomenal I don't mm -hmm. use I mean I respect the box flower remedies and I totally like there's a hundred years of tradition there but uh, the the plants reson resonate in a different way with me and so I, I use different um, different schools for the flower remedies and part of it is you know Bach lived a long time ago he was male and he lived on a different continent there's those are for me pretty significant I work with different plants I have a, a different understanding of them because I'm female and I interact differently with them and uh, you know this is Canada and the plants are different so mm -hmm. yeah and and too like um, I find like that's you just brought up the comfrey comfrey and like in how my class of the workshop I took they they, they made it illegal to bring to bring it comfrey, into Canada yeah. and that but it had so many properties back in the yeah. day in terms of healing like it was probably one of the medicine, most medicinal yeah. plant, plants and it's really yeah. hard to find comfrey it? well yes and no I'm allowed okay. to use it as You're a herbalist allowed. Okay. I'm allowed yeah. to use it and um, you just have to use it with caution okay. to be aware okay. of, you know, the, but, yeah. It's just examples, right, of, yeah. like, you know, how powerful so these are. So, yeah. they are powerful. And political. They are, that was the next thing, but they are political also, right? It, it, was, a, it was illegal to be a herbalist. Yeah, yeah right? Right, right. and it goes back to the witch hunts. It goes back That's to right. the witch's wound. It goes back to the whole money. Where, yeah, exactly, and where um, we were not encouraged to be responsible for our own health, because why? I mean, if we follow that away from the industry and follow so that yeah. money thread again, and it, you know, and and don't get me wrong, like I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer that we need allopathic medicine. I tell my clients, don't show up at my house if you're having a heart attack. Yeah, I'm gonna drive yeah, your ass to the please. hospital or call get your blood work done. Yeah, I am not doing surgery. Yeah. You know, you have a lump. We need to go to the doctor. Yeah. We need to go to the doctor. Right. You know, I'm I'm absolutely you know, understand and respect allopathic medicine, yeah. but it's not essential for everything. And um, Especially if you're preventative, right? Well, ideally, yeah. we would, yeah, I'm, herbalists are much better with chronic conditions than with acute. I mean, yeah. some acute we can work with, but again, not doing heart attacks, not doing like Cancer. appendectomy. Uh, there are herbal oncologists. Oh, I'm not cool. one. Okay. I, wasn't, I wasn't, obviously, I'm not trained in herbal oncology. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Um, but I will work with people while they're, that's the beauty of plants, yeah. or while they're at different points okay. in their treatments okay, to help support their body systems, Absolutely. you know? Um, but yeah, acute is not, you know, where we live comfortably as herbalists, but, um, you know, ideally, and hopefully, you know, I see in the future, uh, the way that midwives work in the hospital in Britain, and they're starting to, you know, there's more going on with midwifery in Canada. Wouldn't it be beautiful if herbalists and allopathic doctors could work together? Absolutely, and I, I really hope the future yeah, goes that way, yeah. right? It's more of an ecosystem. Well, a holistic, that is holistic yeah. healthcare, and we are, we are holistic beings. Yeah. You know, we're more than just, I am more than just a shoulder or a nose or a heart, mm -hmm. you know, and you, we can't, we break down our entire self into these, we, we, we separate and put parts of ourselves into boxes so that our human mind can understand and deal with it, but that hasn't really worked out well for us, mm -hmm. you know, treating, you know, your your ear as though it's not attached to your toe. Yeah. I can assure you, whatever's happening in your ear is impacting your toe. They're connected. <laughs> 
your pleasure points, yeah. right? Like you know. we're not separate. And the same with yeah. our the same with our spirit and our mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's happening? Anxiety or depression, you know, manic behavior. They're all considered of the brain, but they're actual physiological responses happening yeah. throughout your body in those moments. Yeah. You know, and and in your emotions, like they're all part and parcel. You can't uh, disseminate or or break them apart effectively. I mean, we do, but that doesn't really work for, for healing, right? Or understanding. My, my thesis in university was based on the social justice behind everything you've just said. And I, and I was like, why has society, when did this happen for one time, in timelines, but like when did we try, start separating the mind and the body? Uh, college and university, prime example. You know, you're using your mind in university, you're using your body in college. So you're more hands-on tradesman, yeah. yada, yada. You can do your lab work. And I was like, why aren't we cross-contaminating all yeah. these skill sets? I like, know. why are we separating? And then that kind of applied after that thesis. I was like, okay, I need to, like, that's where my brain kind of stayed, yeah. where I started seeing the disconnect um, because of mostly the isms, like capitalism and sexism and racism. And that's what the whole my whole degree was based on, right? Environmentalism. So I'm learning about all the things that like basically fucked up the world. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, now we have to try to apply all this and then try to put all this back together, which right now I find like this is why my introduction is all about the world is literally unraveling before our eyes. Yeah. And here we are trying to like find a way to like keep it together, but also find, you know, fine tune those threads like so it creates these beautiful mosaics versus a big ball of wool that we're stuck in like a cat that can't get out, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, finding a beautiful way to thread all that, which again ties into indigenous like bead work. Mm -hmm. And you know, just like, the, you know, people working with their hands more, again, like our ancestors learning how to knit, uh, learning how to cook, learning how to garden, you know? Connecting with the earth, right? Learning how to hunt, which as long as it's sustainable and ethical, yeah. like it's, it's, it's a beautiful practice that helps the ecosystem and the animals, you know, and us, you know, stay connected in terms of the food chain. Um, and, and so like, and you don't have to be, but you know what I mean? Same idea, you know, like we're, we're respecting the earth and, and like how to, how to keep that um, system alive. So you're not again, having too much of it, you know, like the mass murders versus like, I'm going to have one deer per family, yeah. you know, like in terms of sacrifice yeah. and, and, and longevity. And I think too, when we are connected, we care. Yes. When, we, when we live with the earth and live with nature and walk on the earth and uh, spend time in the forest and recognize the trees and eat the berries that we're picking with our own hands, we start to build relationships and then we start to care for them mm -hmm. and then we're more likely to take care of them and invest in them and love them and nourish them as opposed to buying your food in a box. I'm sorry, there's no relationship there. There's not even food there anymore. But there's nothing, there's no connection. We're divorced from source in all um, areas, you know? Um, the source of our food, the source of energy, the source of um, community and uh, continuity. So I think that it's really, you know, the more we can work with the land, the more we can be out in nature, the more we can uh, try and remember, you know, that connection, the healthier we will all be. You know? Why are we here, right? Yeah. And and um, I just also brought up a point about, uh, I think I lost it. Oh, well, all good. But yeah, just like, you know, just, yeah, the importance of that connection and staying alive. And so I think that, you know, with all that being said, thank you so much because you shared so much information that I think will really, really resonate with tons of people, especially those looking to seek more information about this. 
and understand again the purpose of like why we are so interdependent in upon nature and why nature reacts the way it does just like covid when everything stopped look at the weather we've had you know over the uh, around the world and i just think that's a, re a direct reflection and mirror to how what happens when we cut down on emissions and cut down on, on you know the demand of like you know traveling and all that jazz and I, I know some people feel like their rights are being taken away but at the same time if we were to look at the bigger picture and what you know gifts and, and benefits that have come out of uh, this world pandemic um, I just want to like you know you, you if you can just end on on whatever it is you want to share with us today and also just like out of everything you've said, like what are some small ways that we can help save the world? Like what is that change you recommend, like from your own experience that some people can start doing literally today and not feel overwhelmed, you know, um, in, in terms of like start changing, making those small changes or being that small change, right, in terms of Buddhism and like how that can reflect on the rest of the world? Well, I think probably the, the first thing you can do is meditate, <laughs> really. <laughs> Or, or, or just stop for a moment and just sit for a moment and sit with yourself because we rarely take the time to sit with ourselves without distractions, without our phones or screen time or, um, you know, interactions and just really start to um, identify what is important to you, what is important to you, you know, like beyond the designer handbag or the, you know, uh, whatever it is that we think we need or think we want because beneath that is a is a, a larger voice and a more important voice that we've silenced right and sit with that voice and find out and and then begin to articulate what is important to you and for me you know when i stop and listen it, it is the earth that is important to me it is this planet this mother that we live on but until we, we can identify what is important to us, what we love, then we're never gonna invest in it, right? And, and there's something to be said for creating with intention. It is so powerful and potent to create with intention, but in order to create with intention, we have to know what we're creating. We have to be able to articulate it to ourselves. So once you can do that, like wh what do you want? Do you want, you know, do you want a planet for your grandchildren? You do. Is that important? If it is, then ask yourself, you know, what feels right? What can what changes can I make? What can I and 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 change is uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Like it's not going to be easy. No. Like hello, have you ever seen what a, a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly? A butterfly? That's not easy, no. but it's worthwhile. Powerful. Yeah. Right? So I think in order to make change, we have to sit with ourselves. We have to Go understand it's not going to be easy and it's going to require that we give something up. Exactly. Right? And that's yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. It's just switching our paradigm because we're either going to give something up now or we're going to give everything up later on. It's so true. Right? So accepting, yeah. again, those darn Buddhists, they, yeah. say that this is, they say that this is <laughs> samsara, that we are living yeah. in the sea of eternal suffering. Mm -hmm. And once we can accept that there will be suffering, then we can then we can start to see the beauty within, right? But if we're always saying, that's gonna be too painful, I don't wanna lose this, I don't wanna give this up, I don't wanna give that up, then we will never receive the gifts and the gifts of healing, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, just so to facilitate change, I would say really sit quietly, identify what is important to you, and then accept that it's going to require work and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. 
you know? That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, and Thank then just start locally. Mm-hmm. Start locally. Like go to the farmer's market once a week or even once a month if that's all you can that's right. manage. Just pick one thing. Mm-hmm. Don't pick 30 things. Pick one thing yeah. and then just draw your, draw your line in the sand and say, this is non-negotiable. I'm doing this, you know? Yeah. I love that. And then it will it will build and the thread will will beckon you onwards and you will start to follow it on your path. Yeah, it's almost like a little treasure hunt. Almost. It is life is a, it's a journey. I like to yeah. say it's like I'm on a quest. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what I'm collecting, but I'm collecting all the pieces of my meaningful life and my purpose. Yeah, and it's really neat too like you say when you stop and sit and listen like once I finally stopped because I was going at fast speeds for the many years of my life and I and I feel like that's when I actually like your voice almost gets louder if you ignore it right like almost like and then that's when the tower moments happen that's when the SOS moments happen where your body starts to really scream at you like whether it's you know a a condition that you need to address or if it's a a, you know a childhood issue that you've yet to unleash out of your you know cellular genetic makeup like myself right so I just you know discover all that stuff and and then once you, like, again, like you say, you have to sacrifice, which, again, could be needs, wants. It could be a habit changes. Like, for me, I had to quit caffeine because I realized how it was affecting my body and how I was, like, actually spiking because of how hard it was for my body to, to process it. And same with alcohol, right? So then it's like, well, I was raised with that. And I'm like, still, I love to celebrate and go to gatherings. But at the same time, I'm understanding my relationship with it politically as a woman as a society, how it's accessible, and and also as a uh, as, as a health factor in, in what it actually does to our body, which then connects to water. And for me, like my biggest thing, and I think that's been a really big theme this month, I think it's because we're going through this ascension process and we're in Scorpio season. Uh, any water sign uh, month, I find we always get more thirsty because we're going through a cleansing process with mm-hmm. the water signs, right? And so this whole month, I haven't been able to stay hydrated at all. And like, I'm like, I'm so thirsty. I wake up thirsty. I'm like, I can't get enough water in me. And it's like, it's really interesting. I find how our bodies really do react to the time of year and also whatever it is we're dealing with. And when they say when you go through an ascension process, like I feel like I've just experienced, um, your body has to catch up to your mind almost, Mm -hmm. like to your spirit. And it will leave you so depleted because we're like 90% water. And I'm like, wow, that probably explains because it's a big month of change and shifting with the eclipses and everything that's been going on right with the world and the planets and the evolution and the Aquarius age. And like, that's a whole other topic when we get to astrology. But yeah, on a closing note though, like, yeah, I would say yes, like sit with it and like listen to your body look at your skin you know what i mean like there's so many signs out there that can help you address and pinpoint like you said and we can't out busy the truth the truth will be regardless yeah face (laughs) how many many distractions we try (laughs) to put there we're ultimately going to have to deal with our shit (laughs) so is it going to be now or is it going to be later are we going to do it willingly are we going to be forced to deal with it you know and i think that's what happens is that eventually like you're forced to deal with it and that's pay now or pay later it's like your car are you going to maintain it or are you going to have major major yeah and pay twice as much. It's so funny. I always use cars analogies because it's so true. Like it you know, is. just putting good gas versus bad gas, and yeah. all the things, right? Like the fuel of our vehicles and how our bodies are vehicle, yeah. and uh, yeah, and just again what we put into it. Well, we are literally yeah. building our bodies cell by cell from what we put into our bodies, from what we're ingesting, from what we're breathing in, from what we're absorbing through our skin, from what we're hearing. You know, it all has an impact on our. But we are literally. The carpenters of our own body like we're building Amazing. ourselves right now like it's like it's, right now yeah. yeah so make sure you're giving your body like if you want you know the Taj Mahal you're not gonna 
you're not going to give the the people who are building it like cardboard. No. Right. Yeah. You're going to chance out. Right. So yeah. this is this is our I think our bodies are our most amazing work of art. Absolutely. Right. It's your it's your temple. It's your vehicle. It is. It's everything. I think it's like they say that being born because of you know obviously you're you're one of million of sperm going in fighting for that one egg right and they yeah. say like being born into this life into whatever you want to call it the matrix like the the samsara. Um, is that it's it's actually you know this it's a it's a greater chance to win the lottery right. than it is to be born and right. so like being born is like winning the lottery and what we do with that one life is so incredibly incredibly important mm -hmm. and then again not only to you as a person and to your family and to your immediate you know first degree but also to your second degree your third degree and again your environment and the, your community and like in a, you know it just branches right yeah, have you ever watched the movie cloud atlas no I'll watch it okay. i just watched it and it speaks cool. very much to that it's, it's several different timelines running at the same time oh neat and reincarnation and and just the the premise of the choices we're making right now will determine our future the uh, be they crimes be they kindness you know what every action that we're we're taking every choice we're making has ramifications and will guide destiny which is a very uh it's kind of empowering if we think Absolutely. about it yeah, it can be power. terrifying too yeah. but it can it can be really empowering and just think just do the right thing just we, we think what's right is right yeah. and it's so simple just be kind be kind to yourself be kind to the earth yeah you know be grateful yeah you know and then just yeah do like do your small part right and like the transition design course i took last winter through the nourish program um which luckily you know meyer uh, helped me uh, get granted because it was like something that was offered to whoever wanted to take it and it, and they it was um, basically it was about how do we unpack and decolonize all the wicked problems of the world and we dated back this course all the way to colonization because that's where it all started but then also like I you know when you go into something like a conversation like this and you get empowered like you say and you have a choice you're like oh my god you almost want to explode right because you want to think of then you think about all the things you want to change all at once so this course helped me again zone yeah. in to where does it start and it says like it starts locally within your own community yeah. and again through education yeah and they're like that's where you start it doesn't matter it doesn't and you I don't would go one step I would go yeah. one step further it starts within yourself with you yeah, yeah. exactly within your very you know? body you know and just absorb like absorb yeah. what it is that, that is being thrown at you today whatever it is because like you're, you're you'll know because you'll resonate you'll be yeah. like well that hit me that touched me yeah why did that touch me yeah, why exactly. do I feel so much about that you know, like, and then, then you then unpack that. Like, where does this thread now tie into? Right, and it's such a beautiful gift. You know, so there's everything, right? So with every adversity, there are gifts. And so when I see clients, I always say, because obviously I see clients when they need help, usually, when the things are not going well. Sometimes I see people who are just looking for prophylactic, you know, they want to avoid yeah. problems yeah. later on. But usually it's when there's a, a crisis or something going on. And, I, and I'm always so excited for my clients because I say to them, and I mean this with every fiber of my being, this is such a beautiful opportunity. You're now on an adventure. You're going to now, you have the opportunity to know yourself like you've never known yourself before. Isn't like that amazing? Jump in and explore. Join. Yeah. yeah, and figure it out because we're all like these beautiful puzzles, but we don't have all of our pieces. They've been scattered, you know? So our job and our adventure is to find these pieces of ourselves and put them back together to make us whole. 
Amazing. And it's so exciting. So I do. I'm always like, I'm on an odyssey or a quest. I'm like the Hobbit. I'm in the Lord yes, of the Rings. Me and, too. And what's the, what's the <laughs> next step? And what is it that I'm, what tools or what jewels, you know, what tools do I need in my toolbox? Mm-hmm. And, and then you identify them and you get them. You know, I, if I think about the whole journey, it's far too vast and too overwhelming for me. But if I think, okay, what do I need right now? And because I have dialogue with myself and because I sit with myself, it becomes easier and easier to determine. Like when I first started sitting with myself, I'm like, I don't even like sitting with yeah. myself. This is, this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even know that I know this person I'm sitting like car, with. car, yeah. car goes by. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it becomes easier, right? It is a practice. It's called a practice for a reason, yeah. meditation. and. And you start to, like, it, the, the whole process speeds up. Yeah. And you're able to articulate to deeper. yourself, oh, I know this feeling. Oh, I know. And then you can start to trust, too. Absolutely. We start to trust ourselves and build our intuition and know. Like, you know, I, I was an herbalist. And then I needed something else. What is it? Okay, I need Reiki. Okay, yeah. that's helping. Now yeah. I need... Um, you know, Qigong, I'm going to be studying Qigong awesome. and bring that in. And then, hmm, and then if I live long enough, it's functional nutrition, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I have a, for the first time in my life, I kind of have a rough path, cool. a, a direction, you know, That's instead really of wandering. Nice. Yeah, it is, it is, it becomes, you know, but it's a lot of work. It's almost like an architect, right? Like <laughs> it an is. Like the designing, yeah, like the human design thing. And like once you get to know yourself and you sit with yourself and listen in like that, and then you get deeper within yourself. And like you said, I think the trust thing is the biggest it thing. Is. It's and like sometimes it keeps all that bad out, you know? I've learned that it's just as important to know who you're not as to know who you are. Mm-hmm. Know what you can do is, uh, you know, what you can't do. Like 100%. this life is, this particular this life is not, it's not going to be long enough for me to do everything I want to do. And that's okay. So... Well, especially because we're conditioned and institutionalized, like it's from school. Like I so, know. like just think about that. That's what that's what we learned in school. Is like we have to, after learning our whole lives, we have to then unlearn, unlearn. in order yeah, to relearn. Yeah, I didn't start really, really my true journey until I was in my thirties. Yeah, same. Like, same here. You know, I I had snippets, I had glimpses. I was mm-hmm. always, you know, a little off. I wasn't mainstream like ever. Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah, I knew, but I, but I, I had no words. I didn't even have the lexicon to articulate what Same. I knew, right? Yeah. So it was, it was a real. But then I look at, you know, my children, for example. They're so further ahead because they have right. a language. We've given them a language. Yeah, that's the biggest. You know, to to connect with themselves. Yeah, advocate. Yeah, and to advocate and to, you know, just ground. To ground themselves. That's like right. If somebody would have taught me to ground I myself, <laughs> me too. I could be like, you know, I don't know. I could have done anything. I know. I it know. took me until probably uh, close to forty to even learn how to ground myself. No, it's definitely like I'm like, 40s. oh, yeah. you mean I'm not supposed to be spinning, spinning out like, like a this? Squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's constantly running in like, you know, in survival mode, or you know. What if I mean? we just ensured that every child learned how to breathe properly. That would change oh, the world. Absolutely. That would change yeah. the world. People would be sitting in their parasympathetic nervous system instead of their sympathetic nervous system. Their whole stress response would be managed. How they deal with people. Like yeah, everything, everything would shift if we just, you know. They say that. There's actually a study about teaching kids by the age of eight. If they start meditating, our whole um, our whole world would change. I think. Yeah. I don't remember the amount of years they said, but in terms of like, it's the same with like, decolonization yeah. they say it's going to take seven of generations course, course. before this indigenous truth is, is at, at a place where they have peace 
And so like that, like, wow, when you think about that's where it gets a bit overwhelming. So again, you yeah. have to backtrack and then just again, go back to yourself and how can you be a part of that change? So I, the other, on the day after Halloween on All Souls Day, I think I took out my, you know, I think it's seven generations now. Wow. The teacup and the yeah. tea set that came over. And if you think of how many lifetimes that is. Of stories. Right? Of six. Yeah, but then, yeah. but then change, right? Yeah. And, and to, to unlearn seven generations worth also. Like it's just, it's, wild. it's just really, yeah, it is. And that's flow. And that's it why is. I love those, the, the lunar cycles, right? Yeah. So I'm excited to like get into more of that. But for today, I think, you yeah. know, we covered, oh my God, it's like more ground than I ever anticipated when I asked you to come over and do this. Cause I'm, sorry about that. oh, I, no, <laughs> don't be sorry ever for the, for being who you are. And I'm just like so grateful. And I think, you know, again, this is all about uh, awakening uh, and helping people evolve into this new age um, and, and again it's not going to stop so you know the, the life is speeding up for us um, we are you know at fast rates I think you know in terms of even just our age group like being a hybrid generation for Jana and I we're both in our yeah. 40s and like we've experienced you know not as much as our grandmothers and, and mothers but again that's been passed on to us so now we're trying to break these ancestral um, you know, intergenerational cycles that you know, have not served many, but uh, you know, how can we learn from that and then apply that to the future? So that's the goal of this whole series. And I just hope that Gina does come back again and speak about, you know, so much more of what, you know, she has endless, endless, endless knowledge. And then, then you know, she's never going to stop learning because that is, our, our, I think, our goal in this life as teachers and healers and light workers and, and any, you know, any, anywhere you want to identify yourself in terms of doing, you know, your small part in this world. I think that, you know, as, as, as long as we're vibrating, collecting these energies together and um, vibrating, you know, at high levels and matching those energies in terms of positivity ions, you know, because, you know, we don't want to get into quantum physics, but there's a whole, you know, formula to this, right, in terms of humanity and how amazing we are and adaptable as children. So we have to reconnect with our child. And, and constantly just like, you know, live in that playful world. And that's where mm -hmm. we will see the magic again, right? I think that's where we lose that magic is when we disconnect from our child and knowing that we're all like these ageless beings here. Mm -hmm. And then the only thing that's decomposing is what we're putting in our bodies. And that yeah. that's the beauty of what you're doing because you're gonna help people with longevity and, and, and belief systems within the fact that, you know, we don't have to just work it and, 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 and be like, and then that's it, right? Like, I feel like, yeah, again, that the whole Jonesy's thing, right? Like, like, work for 25 years, save all your money, you know, do all this, that, you know, don't do anything for 25 years. That's why I wanted to use that word. And then I was like, how mortality is sensitive for some people, well, you know, especially at this time of year. Just as a death to that we're Thank always you. pushing yeah. it forward. Because you know what? Just the reality. Here's the thing, you know, certainly we should always be focused on you know, how do I want my body to be moving 20 years from now? How do I want, you know, my life to be looking? What do I want to be? What's my, how, how vibrant do I want my life? But we also have to understand that again, our body is going through seasons and cycles and inevitably we, as we, we will be returning to the earth, you know, but what's really a beautiful thing is that as our bodies start to age and grow closer and move back to the earth, it's like our spirit becomes lighter and wiser and wants to rise like it's this really beautiful um, tension yeah. within the body you know that happens but um i always remind people we can't you know out cream and out pill or even out herb death it's gonna happen yeah like, <laughs> we're here to die yeah. and 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 it's like the samsara it's like as soon as we can accept that 
like really accept that then we just we're forget free. about it we're, we're free, free. We're you free. don't have absolutely. to worry about it you know absolutely and that's, yeah. that's your nirvana they say right when you get into that state where you're just yeah. floating kind of on your own little lotus flower in your own little bubble yeah. but also being a part of an ecosystem yeah. and a part of that interdependency upon nature and like we can't like we can't live without it in my opinion yeah. so we have to honor it and i think it's just time that we start talking louder about it right yeah, so all of us. i know so we I could know. talk forever I've, I've, i know thank you for having me uh, thank you so please tell us where we can find you tell, oh, us, tell okay. us about your business name and where so you, where find my you. business name is sage rosemary holistic and it's holistic with a w so w-h-o-l and uh, you can find me at sagerosemary.com or sagerosemary.ca, whichever you prefer. That's my website. And uh, from there, you can be directed to my social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Um, yeah, I'm on yeah. those are the two main platforms that I use. Or just reach out to me. My phone number is there. Shoot me a text. I'm always happy to hear from people. I often don't answer the phone because I'm usually busy. But if you shoot me a text or send me an email, I'll get back to you. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, Gina's services as well are mobile, so she will come to you if there's any issues of accessibility in terms of wanting to, you know, have an assessment or a Reiki session. Uh, it was so nice to be in my own home. I got to have a nice salt bath before she got here, and uh, the energy was, you know, cleared, and I got to go to right to bed right afterwards and sweat profusely <laughs> and drink a lot of water because it was such an amazing release. So, again, I super recommend Gina's services and uh, yeah, please do check her out and be safe out there in the world of herbalism and make sure you know you do your research or again you know get some proper guidance before delving in because it is a magical powerful tool that we have access to and it is actually not that expensive so it's not even a matter of you know putting a monetary value to any of this uh, I think it's just about how much you want to put on your own life and your own value um, and where you want to see yourself uh, growing into this new age so on that note we're going to say goodbye for now and uh, yeah, just be well, you know, be safe, and uh, love yourself first, man. Yeah? All right, we'll talk to you later, Gina. Thanks, Frankie. You're welcome. Thank you.